Hey. How's it going? Man, how about you? You know, I'm I'm here. I'm here. I'm rocking a Bruce Springsteen vintage tea right now. Nice. Hanging out. Did you go see him recently this week like everyone else? I um, I did not. I did not. Did you? No. But like I've had several people talk about Bruce Bruce Springsteen this week more than I've ever heard about Bruce Springsteen in years. Really? So, yeah. Tell me a bit more about you, Rashad. Like you in Philly? I'm in New York. Oh, you are? Cool. Nice. How long have you been in New York? I've been in New York for honestly the years always change after five. I've been here for longer than five. I'll tell you that much. It's just nice. I think um someone a good friend of mine told me recently, like, do you consider yourself a New Yorker? Oh, it's it's my friend Naeem Spankrock, who was also a friend and guest of the show. He said that if you're if you're at a location for more than 10 years, you can call yourself whatever, like a New Yorker or whatever. And but yeah. in Minnesota, you're considered a Minnesotan after like six months. <laughs> That makes total sense. What about you? Um, I'm from Singapore originally, but um, I've only Singapore. been in New York. Yeah. We love yeah. Singapore. Do you? Of course. Yes, I grew up there and then um, moved to New York two years ago for my wife's work. But I was in LA for six years before that. So, And, and Crazy Small World is Brendan Lowry, who was a guest on your podcast and a friend. His brother and I interned together at a record label when I was 18. So crazy small world. Crazy small world. Yeah, I I heard that his brother is in the music world. Yeah, great supervising. It's so funny because we interned together and all he did was make mixtapes for everyone. And that was like a huge part of what he did. And the irony now and like is that he's one of the best music supervisors in the world. So um it's uh he's all i guess he's always had that in him and it's super cool to kind of see that become a reality so there's no uh do you feel any jealousy no not at all I'm so happy for him like, that's good you know i think everyone's on their own path and that's something he's always wanted to do set out and and did it so nothing but love and support and and yeah I'm super happy for rob that's great because usually if any of my friends were like getting to the next level, I'd be like, oh, that guy. But, sec <laughs> but secretly, I'm like, I like I'm here for it. You know, I'm here for it. And I yeah. I, I also share the same thing when I'm like. Oh, man, he's the CEO of blah, 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 blah. And I just like I was just like, OK, that's cool. That's cool. You mean in a sense, like it's like a sense of like failing upwards. Like why, why the fuck is this guy just having success? Of success course, all, all the time, yeah. all the time. Of course that you're not supposed to compare yourself to others. Don't, but it's just like uh, the story, the storylines are different, you know? Yeah, dude, it's funny. Like nothing, nothing makes me happier when people actually have success. Like to me, like, uh, you know, I think we all know how hard, it takes to get anywhere and like have a vision and kind of get there, especially in like arts and, and music where so little people make it through. And, and uh, it's, yeah, it, it truly makes me so happy when, when people have had success that they always wanted and, and have been like doing it and, and just continue to grow. Cause like, I mean, what, what else do you want in people? Uh, at least that's how I feel. So, but yeah, that's no, funny. that's interesting. 
when you were in Singapore, did you grow up playing any music or anything like that? I did play guitar. Yeah, did not learn any John Mayer. But um, I'm pretty sure the first song I learned was like Green Day or something like that. Green Day's classic. Oh, classic, yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm 36. So when I started playing guitar, I was like 14. So Green Day was like right at the peak of its popularity at that point. But uh, yeah, played guitar growing up and then kind of realized quickly that I wasn't talented enough and realized I'm better off making money off someone else's talent than my own. So that's when that switch in mindset sort of happened when it, when it came to it. But what about you? You, you should have, you should have uh, went from green day to some 41. Cause do you, did you get the, Oh, you... all the time. Okay. I also <laughs> found out that he's like, apparently he, everyone keeps thinking like he's South Asian or whatever, right. but he's actually from like South America. And that I didn't know until like five years ago. So <laughs> And we just learned five months ago that they're still then. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny. I work at a label called Network and and Terry, who's, who's my boss and the CEO of the company, used to manage Sum 41 uh, back in the day and like Avalo Bean and all that. So, uh, but yeah, good for them for like <laughs> continuing it, I guess. So, no, it's uh, good to hear that he... Uh... He also mentioned or managed Avril Lavigne too, because also Avril Lavigne back in back in the tabloids, strong comeback, very strong, strong comeback. comeback. You know, yeah. you you're gonna you're gonna put Mod Sun the the byproduct of MGK to kick him to the curb and then go to Tyga. Love it, love that for you. Wait, I why know. was Mod Sun the byproduct of MGK? Sorry if I missed this. What happened? How so? There are just you know the the whole Black Bear, MGK, yeah. Mod Sun trifecta. You don't see that the whole well Mod Sun just brings up brings Black Bear on stage all the time, and you know Black Bear came from like the whole like like he did his like pop hip hop thing, and then he like plays yeah. guitar situation, and then like MGK does the whole we are we're he thinks that we all have amnesia and we don't remember his like rap career. So <laughs> th like they're just all in that, that bubble of like, we love our music. We have fans. So our music is good. And then, you know, here are, here's us being like, I get, are we here to agree? But I am here to agree that the MGK documentary actually is fire. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen it. I just watched the Louis Capaldi thing, though. But um, uh, yeah, but, you know, like, Maud, Derek was in, what's that, Terry, Scary Kids, Scaring Kids, right? Like, he came out of that whole same world as well as Black Bear. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Maudson was in Scary Kids, Scaring Kids? Yeah. That's, I, see, be, all right, so I, too, you know, I love to, like, do my research on on people but mod son i just like really put that in the back but i i yeah. did grow, grow up on scary kids scary kids i'm a warped tour kid and so oh, just, just to hear that i'm like all right hold on let me let me backtrack this a little i'm gonna i'm gonna take that back mod son i'll give you another chance uh he was in a four let a lie and scary kids scaring kids dude i also listened to, to for that what does that sound what does that sound about me now that's so funny i do know four letter lie too oh my god i yeah. was such an emo kid i guess growing up 
Yeah. And it's funny because we used to manage, so I, I was on the management side at Network and, and we used to manage Posner, Mike Posner and Mike had the project with Black Bear called Mansions. And like I met, uh, I met Dick Maudson and, 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 and MGK through that all very sweet, sweet humans. Um, but it was very interesting. Like when someone was like, yeah, Maudson was in scary kids. I was like, holy shit, that's, that's crazy. And like, so like they always they were always you know the, those kind of tour rats pretty much and just like kept at it and kind of evolved as the music taste evolved and so forth. But um, and he was yeah I have nothing but great things to say about uh, Derek and he was always very very sweet to me. Weird because uh, I and do. And like even introduced himself to me. He was like, hey, I'm it's Kelly, right, Kels? He was like, hey, I'm Kels. I'm like, cool. I, I had no idea it was him until like later that day. So. Mod Sun, MGK, there. It's just that emo renaissance, if you want to call it that, is just so wild. It's 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 just a bunch of dudes like yelling, like grown dudes yelling. <laughs> I mean, if there's anyone you want to blame, it's probably Travis Barker. You're completely right, though. You're completely right about Travis Barker. Yeah, but he walked away from a plane crash. That's the thing. It's like, can we blame him? For living after that, that's it's like he saw God and God was like, "You need to bring emo back." Yeah, uh, you know, it took ten years, but he got there uh, eventually. But you know, like it's cool to see Blink bigger than like I was talking. Jesus, I, um, I was with a friend of mine the other day, and he was just saying he was on the subway coming in from Brooklyn to the city. And this kid was just blaring out this Blink-182 song really loudly, this, like, 12-year-old kid. And, like, from, I think from one of the songs from Enema of the State or something like that, maybe even before that. And as the kid was, like, leaving, my friend has, like, 182 tattooed on his fingers. So he, like, did this as the kid was leaving. And the kid, like, was like, whoa, you know Blink. And it's, like, it's cool to see the next generation of fans sort of, like, getting into it and, like, not having the context of Warped Tour, not having the context of those scenes, right. but just like loving the music for what it is, I, I think is, is, is really cool and, and special um, when, when it comes to that. And, you know, maybe it was like they had an older, like not even older brother, but like that dad listened to it. And that's how like these kids are getting into it. But, you know, it was like no different from when I was growing up and like hearing bands that my parents listened to and getting into it's that. So. It's cool that the kids are now blasting Blink-182 while they do Showtime on the subway. Right. Rashad and this is Wear Many Hats presented by Desire, where we talk about your main gig, then we talk about your side hustle. You can check out all the episodes of the Wear Many Hats podcast on all platforms and at wearmanyhats.com. WMH and Desire is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you. 
Samir Sahu is a partner at Secret Signals and VP of A and R at Network Music Group. You got you got some you got some bands on your belt. The band or like the bands that I know are Vacations. We got Wild Rivers, Miami Horror Forever, and we know Terrible Sons on this podcast. And I thought you had a passion pit. Oh no, you didn't have a passion pit, but no. you have Andrew McMahon in the wilderness, also in something corporate. And Jack's mannequin. Oh, and Jack's mannequin. We can't forget about Jack's mannequin. Please welcome Samir Sadhu to wear many hats. <laughs> thanks, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. How's it feel to be uh, an AR? How's it feel to be an AR? In this day and age. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, it's a job. Glad I have one. But I mean, I've always wanted to be an AR since I was like 14. You know, we we're talking a little earlier about when I started playing guitar and realizing quickly that my talent wasn't going to help me put a roof over my head and realize I had to switch to the other side of working for artists as opposed to being the artist. Yeah, it's something I've always wanted to do and I'm very fortunate I get to work with a really great team and and work with artists I love. So yeah, can't complain about that. When you're in AR and you just like find all these musicians, do you also ask them like, how's your TikTok game looking like? No, dude. <sighs> um, <laughs> you don't have to ask What's up? You can see the data. You don't need to ask about it. You can see the data. You know, I, I think TikTok's definitely changed a few artists' careers and trajectories when it comes to it. But at the end of the day, it's I view TikTok as radio. It's like, you know, it's it's no different from what radio was 10, 15 years ago, where you're sort of like Stockholm syndromed into liking songs because it's just impressions of songs. And now we're doing right. the exact same thing. Uh, except it's people posting videos with the song. And, uh, so, you know, that that form of entertainment and, and listen to music has a change. You're still doing something, you know, back in the day, you were driving from point A to point B and had the radio on and doing something else and had the radio on. And now you're watching TV and having the and, and scrolling through TikTok and, and, and so forth. So in, in my mind, that, that hasn't really changed too much. It's just a different medium. And think we're in an industry that constantly evolves and, and consumption constantly evolves. And I think that's an exciting part where at times it's the wild west and, and uh, anyone can be, uh, you know, anyone can have a career if it's all gone right. As an ANR, have you ever made TikToks yourself? TikTok? Have I? No, I, you know, what's so funny is I actually, I probably have, uh, and this is a very uh, deep look into my mentality, but, 100% have imposter syndrome and legitimately last night I started going down A&R TikTok to just see what people do and understand if I'm doing my job correctly so I started going down this rabbit hole of just looking at all these people that have created A&R TikToks and seeing like oh okay I think I am on the right track uh for the most part but it's very interesting to uh to go down that rabbit hole and see what these A&Rs are creating in terms of TikToks I don't even know how, where to begin to create an A&R TikTok. It's like the classic in the day of an A&R, uh, which is, I was like, oh, wow, cool. Your day and my day is actually kind of different. But uh, you but go cool. to shows. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 6 a.m. You're hanging Dude, I'm in backstage in the green room. Hey, I'm in bed by 11. I'm up at 7, 730. 
most green rooms are artists doing yoga and uh meditating before a show and and then praying to god yeah pretty much so uh you know it's i think it's definitely definitely changed changed a lot from what people think it is it's that classic case of what my mom thinks i do what my friends think i do and what i actually do um is a very very different ball game but uh i love that I love that. But what TikTok, but TikTok knows what you really do. Yeah. Yeah. TikTok definitely knows what I do. And there was actually, I've actually seen one TikTok that actually explained what A&R and really like the other sides to it, but not just the artist side, but kind of dealing with the internal side of getting agreements together, like writing out contracts, sending that out to lawyers, discussing shit with lawyers and, and all these other things that people don't see. And, talk about like it everyone just thinks like you go see a band you know like hey kid let's make a record kind of mentality but um you know there's a lot of due diligence and a lot of conversations that occur on on the other side that uh that people don't realize they don't they really don't but it's just they because they you know all this talk about like the the music industry is like the devil you know and it's like major labels are you know you just hear that all the time it's like signing the major or like we're gonna lose our our masters how are we gonna get our masters and all this like talk about the record industry being like the bad guy but then i hear from other people saying like no we want to sign to a major i'm like i don't know who to talk to anymore or like what to think yeah, I think everyone's experiences are very different, and like, um, it's it like we really saw, a, we see where scaring kids, scaring kids went down. Right. Yeah, that's that's funny. I they did sign to a major, right? They went right. from. Were they always on a major, or did they go to a major? I don't. They probably they probably were. I feel like secretly all of the emo bands back then went like to some imprint and then went to like a major yeah. label you know it's just like so crazy and then they all this talk about like no money and it's, it's just it's just insane all even the smallest bands like signed to a major yeah like i i it's funny i i you know we we're just talking about a friend Rob Lowry and, and Rob and I interned at one of those smaller independent labels that was signing a lot of bands in that world. And they had a couple of bands, which at that time was it's it's essentially called upstreaming. So or rather downstreaming. So you sign to a major, but they ship it out to an independent to run everything. And then eventually when it hits a certain threshold or a certain momentum going, it gets upstream back to the major. Um and, and you know, I, I don't think it was the worst idea i think it makes sense and so in terms of like contextualizing an artist and having uh, sort of the backing um and making it feel part of something but i think that needs to come from a place of authenticity and not just like let's just slot this in here you know i mean like right paramore is a perfect example of that of how that worked out great um and and i think it's that's you know i think to an, to an extent that's really important in allowing artists kind of take all the right steps. Like you need to sell out a 150 cap room before you try and even sell a 500 cap room. Uh, and oh, sometimes we're so, we're so inundated with numbers now that we forget like these steps are needed to, to sort of build stuff up. And 
you know, sometimes you see 10 million streams, you're like, wow, this artist must be massive, but you're like, nah, it, it needs to still start from the bottom um, and do all those things. And, and everyone's yeah, just like forgetting about the music. The music is like somehow last. It's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I'd like to think it's first and then everything else kind of, you know, I, I think at a certain level, you're just like, the quality of music is always going to be of a certain standard and that's a given. Um, and then once you're there, it's sort of like everything else that kind of goes up to it. And and I, I joke like the music industry is essentially like 85% luck. And then the other 15% is people creating a narrative out of that luck that happened. And uh, that's sort of how I see it a lot of times. It's just, it's just so much luck when it comes to right place, right time right everything can kind of skyrocket something but music and good music at the same time like you mentioned that you watched the Lewis Capaldi doc and I recently watched I went to go see Medium Build at a house show and he's been selling out all throughout the country at like venues but he played a secret it's not so secret like house show in Greenpoint and what people don't know is that when I went to the show, I met like, I just met like other fans that were talking to me and they asked me like, oh, how did you know about Medium Build? And I said, I follow Yellow House Sessions who does these like artist backyard shows that like are unplugged and it started from like lockdown and they still keep going. It's all these like small singer songwriters but they're kind of huge and then that's how i heard of him how did you guys hear him and they were like tiktok and i was like whoa y'all are on tiktok finding this like singer songwriter i bet you guys don't even know after he's done with this tour he's doing a west coast tour opening up for lewis capaldi he's like wait what i was like yeah you yeah. don't know anything and like which is like fine i just thought that it's it's so crazy because even medium bill when he was playing the show he's like I, he's been really humble about this. He's like, this is all happening really fast for me. Like, I haven't played the show with Lewis yet, but like, my life is about to change. But he's that guy, like, it's just some dude from Alaska. And then, like, wrote yeah. all these songs in like LA. And he's like, it's insane. It's like insane that you guys are seeing me at a house show right now. Cause I mean, first off, house shows in New York, unheard of still. And, and no one goes to a so far sounds. Yeah fuck you so far and then so like i just think that i just think that yeah music industry has changed a bit but like you said like luck but he's also really good but now he's gonna probably be like a household name no pun intended with medium build you know this is something i've been thinking about more it's like how and you know i think we've all seen it when when an artist gets too successful like how do they stay grounded and continue putting out art and continue staying true to their to what they want to create from a musical endeavor like a lot of times they get out of touch and you know i've always felt totally. like uh artist development is is human development right like we you're not out there exploring stuff and 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 being quizzical you're not going to have things to write about and i think that's sort of sort of the other side of the coin right like once you hit success and i think the, the lewis documentary is, is really intriguing and in seeing how he keeps himself grounded and and, and so forth but that's always it's funny i was just talking about like how do you how do you actually motivate motivate multi-millionaires to create art like it's it's kind of hard you know there's there's a part of it that's sometimes with more money yeah and yeah yeah all that too but um 
but you know, I, I think that's like the other side's also one. The, the biggest thing I learned is like, it's one thing to build momentum, but keeping momentum is like another world altogether. And, and that is, I think, probably the hardest part of the industry actually that isn't spoken about enough or told about enough is, is really, it's like, you can be the shiny, cool thing out there right now, but what's going to happen in 18 months? What's going to happen in two years? What's going to, you know, let's Arizona Zavis who had that track um Roxanne that was like you know there was his deal was like a 10 million dollar deal is what I heard from from Columbia and my understanding is he's off the label now like he uh and nothing has really come back after that so it's it's a bit of a crazy world that we uh sort of live in where the pressure is sort of is is something that some people could cope with and some can but people are also losing the losing the plot after they get famous you know it's like my friend michelle okay not like losing the plot completely but you're kind of just you get so big that you know i don't know you don't really think about this when you first start off and you start singing about like you know the slums right like your living situation right and how life is my friend michelle who's in who's in this band called Japanese Breakfast. I just like remember her going to see her at shows and I remember her from like all her previous bands. And now it's it's funny because like after her book, Crying in HMR, and now she's like big with all of her other friends. It's just funny to see like all these like fashion like houses just like cover her up. And I'm just like, yeah, great. This is amazing. We love this for you. Um I bet no one saw this, like no one sees this coming, you know, it's like, and you're, you're still at the same time trying to be humble. I mean, like we see medium build right now, like at the beginning. And then after all this, he's, he's going to get all these like labels coming at him. And he already has like, exactly. He already has. And then he's going to be covered in drip. All these fashion houses are going to be like, it's the same thing with girls. Have you ever seen? Have do you know the band Girls? The band Girls. Is, band is that Girls. A, think of U.S. Girls. What is the? It's the same thing with the band Girls, which was one of my favorite bands of all time. Where homeboy Christopher Owens, like he crushed it. He was talk out of town, pit like Pitchfork darling, and then you know he was he modeled for. It is the main for you know YSL. It was like a whole thing, and then just gone, just done, and and then it's like I I hope everyone gets their mental in check, but it's probably a lot of therapy, honestly. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of also self awareness, which I think you lose when you know there's a line in the Louis Capaldi documentary that was. Uh, he was saying like it wasn't about him who has changed since the success but rather the people around him how they've changed since he's had success oh totally Uh, and that is really interesting i was like oh yeah and that's you know another not issue per se but i you know that is the reality of it is a lot of these people around them change the people around them like are, are the same people they grew up with and it's hard for them to let go of that and cut ties it's like you know, this is my homie since I was like 
seven, like, you know, and it's, it's that, that's, that's really fascinating. And, and like, you know, I think when I was in artist management, you kind of saw that more of the people around them. And like, it's also hard. You you can tell when, when managers can't say no to an artist and when people around them can't say no to an artist, because at the end of the day, the manager works for the artist and the artist can turn around and fire the manager at any time. So when the closest confidant is someone that is meant to be helping guide an artist, but because of how it's structured can get fired at any time. It's, it's a tough sort of place to be in. You know, I, I think there are certain relationships that managers can do that and there's certain spaces that they can't. And, and I think it's um, sort of part and parcel of sort of growth and, and, and also, um, yeah, I, you know, sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it, it, it does. So it's, it's fascinating to see that and scary. And scary at the same time, for sure. When an artist of yours comes into town, where do you take them out to dinner? Oh man, it really depends. Um, I just had Andrew in town. We went to Wayla, which I don't know if you're a big fan of. Love Wayla. Love, love, love Wayla. Um, so it's we're there bad. for dinner. Yeah, it's great. And oddly enough, my wife and I went back last night as well. Like we had it twice this week. That's how much we love it. Um, you know, love Kiki's as well go there because it's just super easy super easy uh, yeah so it really depends on a which part of town they're in like a lot of times they come in and then you know the venue so we sort of have to be surrounded by that or eat around there um but if they're just in town for a few days then you know these are some of the go-tos and pending all dietary restrictions as well right um those are some of the uh some of the go-to spots when when it when it comes to it so um yeah. Do you also go to the do when they're in town and they're going to like record or do a session? Do you also tag along? I've been an A and R now for four and a half years, and I've been in the studio a grand total of two times in that whole process. Uh, I don't try and go in. I mm-hmm. we're not going in. Uh, mm-hmm. That's sort of where the artist works and. I don't want an artist standing behind me while I work. So right. that's how I, you know, I think that's a space that's for them and their engineer and producer and so forth and, and co-writers or whatever. It's not like, I, I can't imagine what I'm going to bring to the table like that. They're, they're not thinking of already. And and I think so much of songwriting and, and that is process, right? Like I think allowing them to explore the songs and, and, and figuring it out themselves, I think, is the most important part. So you're not behind an artist at Electric Lady Studios being like, these beats are dope? No. Funny enough, the only time I have gone it, I went into Electric Lady a couple of day, um, months ago for a friend of mine that was recording with someone else that had nothing to do with the project. Uh, and that was like the only time I've ever been in a studio in New York. Um, but yeah, I will do anything to stay away from that because you know, uh, yeah, I'm just not needed. Right, right. But also, like, being in that presence, like, at Electric Lady must be pretty awesome, though, at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible space when it comes to things. But, uh, you know, that and, and and hopefully that inspires the artists and, and, uh, and gives them that space. You know, I think part of my job is allowing artists to be comfortable in their creative process as possible and, and being right. that sound and board. And allowing them to 
create the best art that they can create. And right. 10, times, 10 times out of 10, that means I'm not there. You know, I think there's a lot of A&R people that came out of the studios and that's sort of what they're comfortable with. Uh, but I was never an A&R that was in the studio. I was never an A&R that was a producer or an engineer or anything of that sort. So for me, that's out of my comfort zone too. Um, yeah, so that's sort of my approach to it, which, you know, and I think that's the other thing, right? It's like every A&R is different. I know my strengths and weaknesses and to others it is being in the studio and and that's their strength as well. So you're like, there goes, there goes Jack Antonov blessing another record. Yeah, that's one way of calling it. It's funny. I, it's like when Jack, fuck, like not Jack's mannequin, when Jack Antonoff like touches every record, apparently it has to be like top five billboard. Even though the I, records I, aren't even that good. The new Lana record, I was in, I was in Del Rey when I was listening to the, the Lana record, and I'm like, dude, I'm about to pass out on the beach. I mean, yeah, that's it's funny. That's what everyone's been saying is the new Lana Del Rey record. So, like, a sleeper. I love Lana Del Rey, so I'm I'm a huge fan of it too. But uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of conversations about Antonoff sort of products, but good for him. Seems like he's killing it, and always been a fan of Steel Train. We are always going to be Steel Train fans. Yeah. Wait. So, what's your connection to music? Like, do you work in music? I didn't even ask you this. Like, what? Why does it sound like I I work in music? Yeah, yeah. it does. Wow, that's yeah. a compliment. Thank you so much. I do not work in music. I but I've always Ooh. wanted. I I've gotten compliments before about like how are you not an A and R because like my how I'm from like the music world is like when I grew up in Philly, my friend Sean who runs R Five Productions he. He had this like website where Sean Agnew, he had this website where all these bands were coming into town. It was just like a really, really the first generation of like the internet. And I would just like look at all these bands and whoever had the coolest name, I would go to their shows at the church. That's how I did as like a 16 year old. And I've always wanted to go to um I've always wanted to go to like venues. What's the one venue? I'm just blanking out of like the legendary club that's like on Bowery that the John Varveda store is. And why am I? Uh, CBGB's. Sorry, my head yeah. was like a completely different <laughs> word, but like I've always wanted to go there. I remembered like when it was still open, but I was just like too young at the time. But that's like my connection with music. And then I used to shoot concert photography and the rest was like history from there. But no, I. I am not an A&R, but I do, I still like new music, but it it's different now than how it was back then. Clearly, everyone's going to say that. Yeah, every, I mean, I wasn't in the industry back then, so I couldn't, like, I keep hearing this, but I was like, I have no, con- like, context. I wasn't in it, so. Um, but yeah, I do, I, think- I do love, I do love that I get, I get to say, what like, Oh, I saw so and so in a basement, or like so and so in a church. Like from M eighty three to like Tame Impala and to Touramoy. Like I was there from like the first shows in Philly, and and but I I don't. I'm. It's not like I have a plaque on the wall that says like went to the first shows. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't. No one cares. But I, 
and also we when i touched base on warp tour like i was so huge in the radio back then that all my warp tour tickets i actually won from the radio from no way. yeah and i'm not even <laughs> dating myself i'm not even i'm not even like that old i just like was a radio kid and i would call in all the time in my teenage years um i used to like listen to lincoln park and and on like a disc on like a fucking i i just on a walkman i just think that you know now these days with all these apps and people are trying to find music it's like all through like an algorithm and whatever I'm not I'm not coming after anyone. I just have a podcast. If there's an AR out there for podcasts and you guys want to pick up the show, I'll respectfully decline. Honestly. The podcast world right now is insane. It's insane. In what way? Uh a lot of networks pick up podcasts that like people start from the beginning and it, it's like their project and then like people sign on to these like big networks because of the money and for like their marketing and advertising budget. But at the end of the day, it's like, they don't really care that much about their podcast and like what they have to say. And then they'll cut them loose or like, cause like budgets are like tight and they'll have to ax some shows, but it's not, it's not like they can get their like IP back e either. And so the whole thing is just like kind of canned. So yeah, what is what is the rights scenario in that point? Like, what is what rights do you own as a podcast holder? When you sign, I dude, that's the thing. I don't know. I haven't seen. I haven't seen the contract. You know, with Caller Daddy, I think it's like one of the funniest things because it's like on a Spotify show, and I hear that Spotify shows are just a whole other planet. It's like Spotify is like trying to be like Netflix or something. Yeah, you know? and. All these shows, when they're on Spotify, I don't know. Does anyone care if it's like a Spotify show or I don't know? I don't know. I don't know the rights. I just know that like if you decide to leave or whatever, they probably will take it and you can't take it's like over. Money talks, baby. Yeah. Money talks. Absolutely. Yo, if someone was like, that's the thing. It's so funny to me. If someone if someone came to me and was like, will give you like X amount of millions. It's like, wow, get ready to like let go of your IP, right? Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's the exact same thing that artists have to deal with, right? right? It's like right. the same, same conversations of how do you keep the creative freedom and make sure you're like keeping your rights and, you know, like, at network like all our rights are, it's like all licensing lights right right so you the artist gets the rights back in in after a period of time so for us it's like we're creating that retirement fund as opposed to right snatching it and owning it forever in perpetuity so uh you know for us that's what we feel is a fair model if you're going to sign to a label um as opposed to giving away your rights and i think and i think that's something that you know you've seen a lot more artists sell their rights but even now, I think, I think one of the biggest difference when when they talk about music industry back in the day, quote unquote, versus now is like artists understand their rights more, and I think that's so important. It's like, definitely, it's you know, I, I think it's this whole idea of 
being an independent artist means more not just more control but even understand what rights are given away and, and what that means and um for me that's that's the most important thing it's like you gotta know what what's on the paper and what you're signing away um and what you have rights for too so you know and i feel like podcasts sort of the wild west right it's like what i was talking to Lori about this i was like what happens if someone samples your podcast and puts it in a song great question yeah like what is the ip ownership if you sold your or like you license your thing to spotify and someone licensed your voice or what you said in a podcast and i mean you know you see more and more podcasts being essentially investigation journalism to on a different level where there is a lot of new information and and research being done here what's protecting the the owner of of that copyright too and what are those rights and i, and I think that's like a wild west that's occurring right now too where no one's thinking about where these rights are going to be in 10 15 years it's always about like now the next couple of months but like you know there's so much there's so much podcast that's it's a matter of time before someone samples it for something else oh 100 i first time i ever heard that friends or fans of the show would listen to my podcast on like their road trips i always thought that this was just going to be like something on the subway right that you would listen to but like they would listen to on road trips i was like wait where else are people like listening to this? You know? So I like, that's what I'm thinking. Like, because this is such an arts-based podcast at the same time, I'm sure one day, like it will be played in like classrooms or like. Totally. At colleges. You know, I want that college money. You can give me that college money, you know, like <laughs> what Princeton, what Princeton, you said, what you took, what you said, what, huh? Like that's my voice in a classroom. It's like, but yeah, where are the royalties? And wait, so what made you start this podcast? How did you start it? I'd love to hear more about that. It all stems from radio. I've I did radio in college and I was always interested in radio, but podcasting, it's just like the you know, when radio they have interviews and they have it backlogged, but like you kind of think like who's listening, right? To these interviews yeah. and like what blogs are out there. They're the thing is, like, people don't really go to blogs in this day and age. They need an app, right? So that's just how it stemmed from is like radio. And then the name came because I'm, I used to be a designer and my creative directors would tell me I wore many hats because I used to design hats um, with Dasar and we still do. And when I took the name I had in my back pocket and then turned it, into a podcast it was just only a matter of time someone was just getting me in the studio and was like yo you can use our equipment and shout us out or whatever but the first 10 episodes are like jank because like i had no idea how to run a podcast but now i'm, I'm an expert baby i mean it's a great podcast and i appreciate you inviting me on well so, thank you i was also gonna ask you like fuck, i totally forgot my train of thought right there yeah. Oh, point about sort of, you know, I, I think one of the biggest hurdles right now in music is that discovery. Like what is, how are people discovering new music? I think that's, that's the biggest sort of roadblock in music right now where yes, TikTok is sort of become that where that's why people are really discovering music, but where else? No one, no one really has the answer for that. Um, you know, and after 
two years of pandemic and, and a lack of touring that's also kind of shifted that landscape as well when it comes to it so uh yeah i think to your point too i think that that's another hurdle altogether is sort of discovery discovery well. for sure I, where are people finding my podcast i have no idea but i know that i have friends or guests of the show have said it to others so definitely like some type of word of mouth but we also do a bunch of marketing and advertising campaigns with Dasar studio and we do all the wheat pacing for our our show but with the music industry look i'm not on tiktok often to find music and spotify there's just so much of the algorithm i can take and like after i listen to a record i'm kind of done with it i don't really listen to more stuff today i mean hmm. like i said with the yellow house sessions on youtube yeah like you said the the lockdown discovery is i think for me i'm all about word of mouth honestly like i'll take any of your recommendations i mean me it's kind of the one so you're already on it exactly but hats off to you and everything that you do for some just so wear many hat solutions yeah let's if if you guys were an A and R for podcasts, would you ever branch out the podcasts, or would you stick strictly to music? Um, funny, I I brought this up before, and um, I, you know the way that we approach it is sort of like, can we bring value to something? Right. That's the number one question, right? If we're going to partner in any sort of IP or any sort of artist, can we bring value to it? And I think the true answer is, I don't think we can bring value to podcasting right now. So for us, that's sort of where we draw the line when it when it comes to. I mean, I I have artists. I'm an artist that's building out a podcast that's in pilot right now. You know, I think a lot of people have podcasts when it comes to things. I think at the end of the day, it's having, you know, can is there something unique you, you can say in this in this format? And there's certain people that can do that, and we're happy to support that in any way um, and live elsewhere. Like we're not sort of here to try and obtain as many rights as possible because if we were to partner with something we have to obtain rights so for us it's like if we can help an artist kind of create that ecosystem where they have those creative outlets that they can go talk and you know we have our artists done ted talks artists done talking tours and and and, and things like that so you know podcast is just another outlet when when it comes to that too and part and parcel of the ecosystem but to answer your question i don't uh, until we find a way to bring value to it that's that people can't do then uh until then then there's not really a thing to it my understanding is we have a podcast we have one podcast on the label believe it or not um but that was like a dear friend of the label that right um part of it but yeah for the most part it's it's not something and and like i said we just don't know what those rights are so it's very even hard to even try and do a deal if we don't know what those rights are going to be 10, 15 years. Right. I love that. Okay. So now I'm jumping on your Instagram. Okay. I have to mm -hmm. ask a couple of things. The blue check that you have, the, do you think it's going to go away? Do I think it's going to go away? Yeah. Do you think verified accounts, what's your thoughts on verified accounts now with everything that's like people are charging? I mean, wild? Look, I, I think it's wild. I think, I think the fact that Twitter now makes $3.8 million a month from verification is fucking fantastic for them. Good for them for figuring that out. I think the problem is 
for me, the verification is about verifying voices that need to be that need to be verified essentially like you know i think i think there needs to be one where it's like you have a certain sort of uh cachet when it comes to your work that you're a voice for or you're a journalist or whatever like you know we need to be able to be able to uh verify those voices um and I think anyone else that wants to do it, then, you know, I think it needs to be a separate thing because it's it's more of like the quality of uh, the voices. Like, you know, I think that was that was a huge, huge issue when it came to the elections. Right. Like no one knew right. what voice was real. Um, and when you have people creating verified check marks for for fake things and companies so insane, that. Right? Yeah, that to me is the, where the check and balances need to occur. Like, I, I'm literally the least deserving person of any check mark anywhere. Uh, but for me, I think it's it's really important for us when we go through news cycles that we know where these voices are coming from, and it's it's a reliable source because people spend their entire careers being that reliable source, and to take that away is is not there to me. So that's my thoughts. What about you? Dude, you can't get these bots, man. Yeah. These bots. It's so hard to get on Twitter now because it's just like all these verified accounts. But these, they're just all over the place. Coming in swarms. And they have like the American flag next to it. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, you just even think the thought of like, you know, chat GPT and how that's going to evolve and AI is going to evolve in that way. Like we're essentially going to build out AIs as, as, as human voices in that sense. Like just imagine someone's able to do that, get a verified check mark to it. And it's just AIs could post and shit. Like it's just another, another can of worms that I don't know if we're ready for that yet. Right. So also your model, we love this. Fashion, yes. fashion god over here. I see you with Jacob. Jacob Gallagher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wall Street. Let's go. You know Jacob? Are you friend? Are you guys friends? We're not friends, but we've had conversations. Okay. Nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Jacob, Jacob's I, a good friend. Yeah, I just like love that you you're covered in drip. You know, all over the place. You're just dripping, dude. It's insane. We got from like, Bodhi to. Got to research, like damn. Lavon, let's go. Yo, <laughs> we're both uh... okay. So we're both we're both. We got like almost not. I mean, I, all right. I'm from Malaysia. You're from Singapore. We got like similar complexion, but we pop in colors, yo. We pop in. Dude, I know you're from Malaysia. Where, where, where did you, did you grow up in Malaysia? Is your family from Malaysia? What's my the family's from connection? Malaysia? But I, I am. I grew up in America, but like. My mom's from KL, and no, my dad's from KL. My mom's from Kajabaru, but yeah, I've been oh, to Malaysia cool. several times, but I'm just saying that, like, we look good in colors, even though we are currently wearing black t-shirts right now. I love, black's a great color, you know? I think it's, it's such a, everything is understated. Everything just looks good. It's easy. Easy. It's very, um, but yeah, no, I think... The clothes thing is a fucking addiction and a problem more than anything. <laughs> I know, so, right? But, you know, I don't, 
I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't necessarily Same. have many vices, so no, no gambling. So all my money goes into clothes. Uh, you know, living in New York, there's no car, so that's another that's another uh, bucket where money is saved and goes into in, into the kitty for more clothes. So um, it's a bad habit, but they're worse vices to have, I guess. Totally. We also have like the same like living lifestyle. I'm currently looking at my USM haulers right now with my TV on on top of them. And I'm looking at your living room picture and the same it's like the same TV is literally on the haulers. It's kind well, of have, insane. We have another one here, too. Well, it sounds like you have great taste. So we we love the haulers like you look at that USM. I'm on the pod. Sponsor the pod. Give me and Samir some USM. You, should, you know Brian at USM? You guys should connect. I think I met Brian and I met Brian at Art Basel. Oh, sick. Yeah. He's <laughs> sick. I, I love Brian. He's great. That's why. I love the uh, one. Yeah, you use your white ones for uh you got some pottery and you got some grape and flowers and pottery and a lot of fucking you got you got it going i love that and with the toe the what the toe togo couch right next to you like you know have the togo couch i was gonna that. ask is that a tizio uh lamp as well i don't know we bought it from lichen i can't even remember what it was shout out to uh, lichen friends and guests of the pod like we love you ed and jaren yo this is lichen this table is lichen what these chairs are all like and we have another we have another two usms in the other room uh one of them is from lichen as well so we have two usms from lichen two usms from brian um tell so, brian yeah, tell they, brian to uh, send some usms my way would love that yeah it's uh he was telling me uh we'll, we'll talk off air because there's like uh yeah <laughs> I also have two USMs in in the bedroom. I just like love that we are currently flexing on this podcast. That uh, right, we got some USMs. What colors are yours? Mine are black. Mine are all black. But all, I do. But I do want to trade. I will definitely buy two other ones in the Bottega green off of anyone to all our listeners out there. That's if you got the two Bottega greens. I'll trade you two black ones for the two green ones. Uh, but I can also have room for two green ones because that that green, my favorite color. Have you have you green's my favorite color too? Have you seen the lichen green? This is off the record. Do you know about this green that USM created with lichen? That's Incredible. I know about, I I mean on the record I know about the like in USMs yeah but not the greens yet the, amazing the greens so good so good My, so Brian has one and he posted on his like I, I IG a couple of times and I was like dude this is the fucking cool it's like just the most you know like those green 911s you saw like from the 70s it's like yes. that green. uh and it's like my favorite color and I'm just like this is so so good that's amazing. Uh, I'm, I think we should. I think we we need to. We definitely got to put our order in. And... Yeah. Well, I, well, that's the thing. I don't think you can buy them. Is the thing. Oh. Uh, yeah. So like, I, I I think it was like I don't know what the full story is, but I thought it was just so fucking good. 
I love that, uh, you know, you also spend your money on furniture as well. Cause like, exactly. I used to have cars when I lived in Philly. I don't have cars anymore. So where is all my money going to clothes and furniture? No, no. It's just like my, my living situation is just like covered in area where deuce and deuce. And I'm like the typical Brooklyn guy, but when I'm on in the streets, I look like this like punk goth that like, I don't want to talk to anyone. But then like, but like, you know, my living situation, it's like a fun house. And dude, we have, this is like, I love black. My wife loves color. So like, I don't know if you can see it, but table is like this flower table. I've seen. Uh, And like, we just have so much color and that's like all her. That flower table is, is key. Did you get that at, um, did you get that at home union? That's exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I know. I I know your whole house. Don't worry. I when you said lichen, <laughs> I was like, I knew. I knew. <laughs> I knew. It's very cliche. It was hard buying fucking furniture, man. Like we moved it two years ago, right at in like April twenty twenty one, and like there was so many issues with trying to even. You know, we we didn't even get the the first thing I bought was the TV. That was the first thing we bought in April, and I don't think we got the usm thing till september so it was on the floor for a while i feel like new yorkers or like transplants that moved to new york or whatever have like the same similar thing whether it's like either you're living about to live alone or like move in with a partner like it's like the same you i can't even tell you how many times i've been to like best buy to help buy a TV for someone and like get the Samsung, you know, gallery thing for their homes or, or even get my TV. I was just like, wow, me getting my TV felt like, you know, I'm shopping for like, what's a good TV for myself, like shopping for a car all over again, but we don't like live in a suburban city or anything like that. Dude, I, I don't know if you're this way, but like when I'm trying to buy something, I do so much research. It's unbelievable. And I'm just like absolutely so focused in on like finding the best thing for that. Um, I feel like you're the same way as well when it comes to that. And it's like it takes you down the most random rabbit holes. Like when I was looking at like pottery and things like that for the house, like I ended up buying a bunch of stuff from this really random spot in like out on, on like islands off portugal that essentially made these incredible uh, i don't think i even have them but somewhere else but anyway it's like sent you down these incredible rabbit holes of discovery which i enjoy a lot um but it definitely drives my wife crazy because like that's all i'm focused on for for weeks at a time so but that's just how it goes that's just how yeah. it goes if you were to get a if you were to get a chest tattoo quote what would it be a chest tattoo quote. That's how we end off the show. Die young and save yourself. <laughs> is that brand new? That is brand new. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Thrice first came to my head. I was like, no, that's not thrice. That's not thrice. But then I was like, no, it's brand new. Brand new. So good. So Great good. lyric. Probably not not the best advice, but uh, <laughs> from a physical thing, but from like a mental state of like of realizing how big options are in the world and like killing your ego. I think it's uh, it's a good way of looking at the world. I agree. I agree. 
plug your socials where can people find you uh on instagram and twitter with the verified check mark that i didn't pay for um <laughs> is uh, samira sadhu um so my full name pretty easy um uh, i once had at samira on instagram but dummy me changed that and no yeah i know i i tried to get rashad.com i should have got that like a long time ago yeah I really honestly thought that I was the only Rashad out there back in the day. And I'm like, dude, no, there's like a bunch of black dudes with the same name. Of course, the <laughs> first with the head of first, obviously. <laughs> it's a sick name. <laughs> it's a very cool name. But um, yeah, man. Thank you so much, Samir, for coming on Wear Many Hats. It was great to have you. Yeah, likewise, man. I appreciate you having me. And we should hang out soon. I didn't realize you were in the city. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I'm glad that to know someone else that doesn't drink. So we'll get coffee. Uh, you you can you know treat me like one of your artists. We can definitely go to like you know Thai diner. What are you? What are your go tos? Thai diner is another great one. <sighs> Thai diner, amazing. I go to Thai diner with me and my collaborators for something something light for lunch. We go to Kitchen Coet, which is this like new spot. A lot of Brooklyn spots. I want to go, I don't know. There's, there's just so many. And I'm glad that, you know, there's like a lot that's just like popping up. We, have you been, do you ever go to Greenpoint? Uh, not as much as I should. So no. So no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, there's like a lot of good spots in Greenpoint that we go to, but you know, I, yeah, I'm always down for a whaler trip. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Till next time, this is Wear Many Hats presented by Dasar, and I'm Rashad. Peace.